What if I told you there's a way you could be a second shooter at a family session so you can see exactly how the photographer prepares, how they interact with their clients, what they say when they're posing, or when they choose to use fluid motion, what they do when kids might not cooperate or dad might not be in the session. What if I told you there's a way you can see what the gear is that they're using, where they're positioning themselves when they're shooting, what factors they're taking into consideration when they're shooting, what if I told you there was a way you could see what their straight out of camera images look like, and then you could see their editing process too, so you know exactly how they get those start to finish images and those polished ones you see in your Instagram feed. Now what if I told you you could be that second shooter without ever having to leave your house? What if I told you that not only do you get to watch it from home, but you didn't have to remember every single thing you were trying to learn the first time you watched it? What if you could watch and rewatch as much as you wanted? How would that improve your images, your posing, your confidence? Now, what if I told you there is a way you could be a second shooter, not only for one photographer, but 26. That's exactly what you'll experience inside the 2024 online family retreat. Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there. Sometimes the damage that you can cause is not something that you it also isn't always something that will be noticeable directly at or after the session. So cutting off oxygen to a brain stem or to parts of the brain, apoxia, okay, that's a decrease in oxygen because you've decreased the blood flow or you've, you know, uh, occluded an airway with the pose that you're doing can cause damage to brain tissue. What does that mean? It means that potentially this child could later have a gross motor delay or a fine motor difficulty or a learning difficulty. They may fall under the umbrella of cerebral palsy. You know, so these aren't things that you can say, I've heard photographers say, well, I do those poses and I've never injured a newborn. You can't say that. Welcome to the Art and Soul Show, where we dive into heart-opening chats on photography, business, life, and that messy in-between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJaso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will give you real results. Because let's face it, having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is a place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Hello, friend. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am chatting with Kara and Stephanie from APNPI. Now, APNPI is a professional newborn photographers association created by newborn photographers specifically for newborn photographers. Now, APNPI formed out of a passion to give professional recognition to newborn photographers and to connect through a safe and respectful place for everyone to grow, learn, and thrive as small businesses. 
Now I've known Steph and Kara for years and I absolutely love what they are doing in our industry. Now Stephanie was actually even one of my very first newborn photography mentors way back in 2011 and she comes back annually to our online newborn retreat to speak on safety. Now without further ado, here is Steph and Kara. Welcome. Hi Lisa, so happy to be here. Hi Lisa. So tell us who you are and what you're passionate about. And Kara, we'll start with you. Okay, yeah. So my name's Kara. Um, passionate, I would have to say, first and foremost, even though it sounds cliche, honestly, is my kids. They rock my world. But aside from that, you know, I'm homeschooling. I uh, am a former high school teacher. And I think that informs my lens on everything I do. I'm all about learning and growth and meeting milestones and challenges. And so I just love doing that with my kids at home. And I love doing it in my own life. I'm always taking on a new venture and studying, you know, fiddle lessons with a new style and a teacher. And I'm always trying to take on new things and push myself to new levels. And, uh, and then when that ties in with EPMPI, I just love being part of encouraging members to be the best they can be and uh, helping them like earn their credentials. I think credentials are really important because it's you're investing in yourself, you're always learning, you're always taking on a challenge, and these things are not easy. And I've walked alongside with some of the people struggling, and I just love it. I think these are the really the kinds of things that, um, if I had to sum it up, what drives my passions is just that constant moving forward in life. And Steph, share a little bit about who you are and what you're passionate about. I wear a couple of hats, I guess. I'm a newborn photographer, but also physiotherapist and one of the co-founders of APNPI along with Kara. And I think, you know, like Kara, like I have three kids and they drive my world. Other than that, I, I love physiology and tying that in with the process of newborn photography, I think is extremely important because it's just given me a different lens on how to work with babies and, you know, try to promote safe posing and safe handling and uh, regulation within the industry, which is something that's really tough and, and sometimes controversial. And I honestly don't know if we'll ever get there because of you know government and and all of the things that it will take but uh but in the meantime i love that apnpi allows this platform where we can discuss these issues and promote safe posing and uh you know safety precautions and concerns with equipment related um queries and you know we're, we're constantly trying to uh, inform the industry on that front. So, so I think that's where my passion fits mostly in, in with APMPI. I love it. I actually um, mentored with Stephanie back in, I think, 2011 or 2012, because she was one of really the one of the pioneers when it came to newborn safety. And it was so important for me to, you know, to study with someone who was incredibly educated. So this lady has so many years under her belt when it comes to newborn safety. So if you guys haven't checked out APNPI, you're really going to want to go check it out because they're doing some really amazing things that I 100% believe in. So you guys have to have to go check them out. So before we really dive into it, I actually want to want to chat with Kara. And can you really share what APNPI is and really how you guys came up with the idea to create APNPI? Yeah, so APMPI, um, I would say it was meant to be a place for newborn photographers. Um, both myself and Stephanie had been members of PPOC, 
and earned our accreditations and Stephanie was involved quite a bit more with them than I was. But I guess I'll speak for myself. There was quite a bit of limitation there. It's that I was constantly learning from people who were in the wedding industry or business or portraits and then trying to adapt it. And then that goes so far. I mean, that took me quite far with my business modeling and developing a business, but it certainly didn't do anything for the very specifics of working with newborns, with safety, even editing, you know, unique ways, right, that are different for newborns than with uh, adults and stuff. So we started there. And we also um, were recognizing problems in the industry. Uh, specifically at the time, there's a lot of babies being hung from swings and put it in glass jars. And I mean, it happened to myself, my firstborn, we took her to a shoot. And the very first thing she did, the first pose, she put her in a sling from a branch and no beanbag underneath. There was a concrete floor. We were in her basement and the branch fell from the support. My husband dove in and grabbed my daughter and I burst into tears. And she treated me like I was a neurotic, overprotective mother. And it was that awful experience, right? So this was like a big theme at the time. And my daughter was born in 2010. So around that time period, right? So, um, so safety, I mean, was, was always the cornerstone of APNPI. And then just, you know, from there, like, how can we support photographers in our industry to learn to be safe, to be skilled, work on their business models, you know, charge fair rates so that other established photographers in the area aren't being put out of business? How can clients know that they're going to have a good experience when they hire a photographer? Those, I would say, were like the establishing cornerstones of APMPI. And from there, you know, we've really stuck pretty firm to, to helping photographers navigate that journey and always improving their business models, their safety, their own skills, and helping their clients and themselves grow. I love that. What a story, my friend. I am so sorry that you went through that. <laughs> like, terrifying, yeah. terrifying. But I can absolutely see how that could have happened, especially back then, because there really wasn't that much in the way of education um, yeah. or even like pullbacks or anything like that. So I'm really, really glad you guys really took the lead on that and are educating so many photographers to be as safe as possible. Now, how does someone get started with APNPI and what can they expect from your membership? And Steph, we'll go, go to you for that one. Sure. Um, you know, we're always hoping that we're uh, meeting everyone's needs with APNPI. And part of that is to make sure that they are safe. And so when you first join, you know, the first thing you, you gain access to is actually our safety course, which is short. And we're, we're redeveloping it as well and trying to include uh, more pertinent information. But it's basically like a, a safety summary of physiology and reflexes and uh, considerations for your studio, your environment, some of the recommended, you know, levels from American Academy of Pediatrics for decibels, for white noise and things like that. So we're really trying to educate people just to have a baseline understanding of safety. And that 
comes with an evaluation. And so once people have completed the course and completed the evaluation with a 100% pass rate, then that opens up a pathway for learning. And now they can apply to our QNP programming, which essentially is a qualified newborn photographer programming. And this is an application process by which you would submit imagery to different categories for lighting, composition, a couple, many different categories actually. And that is reviewed by a panel and suggestions are provided if you know it hasn't met the quality standards and um, and at that time we also offer mentoring so if people would like to connect with an APNPI mentor they can and that mentor can help them in developing their skill and technique to the point that they are able to pass this QNP evaluation and then a little further down our pathway we offer accreditation so you can go that one next step further and that accreditation level denotes you know, an above average skill level in a certain category of which I think we have nine or ten at this point specific to newborns and babies maternity or milestones which I think is more along that baby line and so that is a process by which you submit a portfolio portfolio of 12 very specific images in your category and that's judged by a panel of judges and uh, we always offer our uh, membership the recording as well so you can you know tune in and listen to our judging panel and Lisa has joined us as a judge it's it's a wonderful process uh, and very brave (laughs) by our membership to apply for that process but you learn a ton. You learn a ton. I have been a photographer since 2008, I would, I, yeah, since about 2008. And I'm always blown away when I connect with the panel of judges. We have, you know, new judges all of the time. And, uh, and just that combination of different judges interacting with each other. I learn so much through this process of hosting these accreditations. And then, yeah, we also offer designations. And part of the way in which you get to your designation is by earning your merits. And so merits are are accumulated through all of these things that you're achieving. So through the safety course, you're gaining merits. Through your QNP, you're gaining merits. Through accreditation, you're gaining merits. And uh, we look at service merits as well as image merits. And for our image merits, you can gain those in image competition also. So we do run twice yearly image competitions. And then we also have an education platform where we offer educational materials. So video content that people can opt into and uh, that delves deeper into those topics of posing and maternity and lighting and composition, many different, you know, facets within there. So we try to offer something for everyone, I would say, and also try to align ourselves, you know, towards what you would expect from organizations, other professional organizations nationally that uh, you can find in either the United States, Canada, New Zealand, et cetera, the UK for standards. Uh, We tried to align ourselves closely with that, but to have that, you know, slant towards what is specific to the niche of working with newborns, babies, or prenatal parents because really there's so much to know and to learn that is specific to this genre that you don't get necessarily from these other organizations when you join in their servicing wedding portrait architectural nature you know they have so many different facets that they 
of, of their membership that they don't offer specific enough training, in my opinion, towards our needs and our niche. And I think if you really think about all of those other types of photography and other genres, no other genre requires you to handle your subject in the way that you do with a newborn or baby. Really just you, for liability purposes, you are most at risk in this genre of photography, I would say, and probably need to have the most specified knowledge about the subject and their needs than any other genre of photography. So we just really thought that it was needed and important (laughs) and couldn't really find it out there elsewhere. So we decided to create it for ourselves and for our industry. I love it. I, I, as you mentioned, I have been a judge for the panels for your, I can never say the word accreditation. (laughs) And um, I truly, I brush up, I get excited when I get to come judge because I learn so much. Um, And I just think it's so important to continue learning and to continue brushing up on your skills because you know what, our little human brains can only remember and retain things for so long. So having that chance as a, um, as a judge for this is so beneficial too, for me too. So I just love that you guys are putting that on. Now I know Stephanie, you've even submitted your own images to the judging panel and that kind of got a little sticky and tricky for you. So can you maybe share a little bit why you feel it's important to submit your work and maybe any mindset shift you might have had to have with that experience yeah I mean I won't lie it was traumatic (laughs) I uh I purposefully pulled a number of images from earlier on in my career somewhere around that 2011 2012 era and just tried to see what it would be like from a maker's perspective to go through the process and I have done accreditation with other organizations and submitted to image competitions elsewhere as well so I was used to putting myself out there but I had not sat through the live judging of such and so in a lot of other organizations that judging process happens behind you know closed doors and unless you live in the area and you can attend in person it's quite a small audience and um, you may or may not be in attendance for your own accreditation judging so this really was an opportunity to to view my work through others eyes and just to see how people were receiving the work and uh you know, I, I submitted to a bunch of categories outside of newborn pose, which I feel I'm pretty competent at. <laughs> and it was hard. I cried. I mean, I had to, at points, shut it off and take a break and come back to it again and, and listen to the recording afterwards. And I, you know, Kara will know, I discussed with her how I disagreed. And, <laughs> and then, you know, a month later, you listen again and you're like, actually, that has merit. Well... <laughs> it's hard. It's a hard process sometimes. And and you can be very lucky if you're very skilled and you're, you've been in the industry. Like if I was submitting my work from 2018, 2019, I think it would be a different thing. But back then I had been working what, three, four years. So some of those images, they are, you know, just not necessarily the same that of skill or technique level that I would produce now in my career with, with the knowledge I've gained over the past years. But you still have that emotional connection to those moments. And I think that's the hardest thing for makers to do is to separate themselves from their images and to think of it not as part of your being 
it is your artwork, but it is not you. And so not to be so attached to the art that you're unable to process the critique um, because this is such a personal art form. It really is our, you know, and I see some of our members struggle in this, in this fashion as well, where after an image competition or after an accreditation, they'll post about their struggle with what they heard in terms of the judging of an image and, and ask if, you know, what are, what are other people seeing, trying to find that validation. And, and oftentimes what they find is that others will also repeat some of the same critique. And so it's so interesting to see how other people view your imagery and, and it's totally okay to disagree with that. But I think the most important part is to understand that there is truth in the critique. And so whether you accept all of it or parts of it, it will push you to become better. And whether you want it to or not, that critique will sit in the back of your mind And the next time you're in the studio, when you are creating imagery, it will nag at you and you will make changes and you will grow because you will push yourself to try to do something different, to view things differently and to consider those things that were said, even though you hated them, even though you didn't agree with them, it will sit there and it will push you to become better. And I think that right there is the the key reason why you should submit for these processes. Yes, emotionally, it's terrible. It can be draining. Uh, You might need some recovery days. (laughs) It can also be exhilarating. They might just validate you and say how amazingly wonderful you are. I've seen that happen too. But you know what? If I had to choose for someone to pat me on the back and tell me I'm amazing or for someone to tell me this is great and, and here's how I think it could be better, I would choose the latter because I never want to be in a place as an artist where I have nowhere to go. I always want to be able to grow and to push myself and to be better and to become better. And I think it's really hard to do that on your own as an individual. Or if you only ever reference the people who will build you up and clap for you, then you stunt yourself and you stunt your own growth. So putting yourself in those uncomfortable scenarios can be the best way to, uh, you know, fast track your growth and, and just, or push yourself, you know, beyond the pedestal you're currently resting on. So even for those of us who have been in the industry for a long time, every time I listen to these critiques, I watch people critique other like award-winning photographers who submit to our image competitions who are placing and getting very high scores in our image competitions and I watch their work be critiqued and there's still growth yet to happen and that's so exciting. Oh, I love that. It's so true. And you know what? I know that I am personally uh, haven't submitted my work for like literally years and I've been resting where I am. So I think that I may be submitting next time too. So Now, Kara, we're going to go over to you and I want to talk a little bit about maybe some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing when students are, or, or, or makers are submitting for accreditation. This might be better for Stephanie because she's been doing the panels lately. I've been working actually more on the QMP side of things. 
And so it's a very different level. Like we actually have a standard where we get them to in QMP and then we recommend move on and we give them suggestions for what they're going to be facing with the judges. But I, I guess like, you know, I did chair a while back. And if I was to remember, I would think the ones that stood out to me the most would be uh, lack of cohesiveness. So really not sticking with the brand, a certain look. And I do see that in the QMPs as well. And I work with makers on that. You know, just decide what you're going to do. Decide what kind of look you're going after. If you want it to be fun and edgy, do it. Go for it, right? A lot of people are very soft and, and uh, uh, neutral tones. And that's beautiful too. But you don't have to be that just because that's norm everywhere, right? So choose what you're going to do and then commit to it and stick to it. And I think that's one of the big things. Another, you know, lighting, get your lighting courses under belt. We do, you know, on the panel with the QMPs, we do coach on lighting. We only take it to a certain level and then we recommend do go ahead and make sure you get a proper lighting course before you go and apply for your accreditations because it's just a must, right? Lighting is everything in the images. It will make or break. And uh, so I would say those were the two two big things if I had to you know speak to somebody just starting out and wanting to get into accreditation submissions those would be the two things I love it now I love success stories do you have maybe a success story that you can share about one of your makers or one of your students and um, the success that they've had with APMPI yeah so there's one that that really um, comes to mind and I guess it was fairly recent probably maybe six months ago or so she was having a hard time passing the QMP and I was working with her fairly closely and giving her some comments and then she was getting comments from another on the panel as well and she she was having a hard time understanding them for a little while we we sort of bantered back and forth and I didn't understand where her struggle was and she didn't understand where we were coming from and then she finally came out and said you know what I have a degenerative uh, vision condition she's going blind and she was having such a hard time seeing what we were talking about with lighting. And she finally got it. Like, she finally saw it. She said she sat down with her husband. And thank goodness she had, you know, somebody there with her to really walk her through it and, and decipher it. She said once she could see it, she could see it, right? Like, once you, and I've been told this in music, once you kind of get into that little pocket, you're there. You don't need to worry about losing it again. And, oh, my goodness, this girl was just like the triumph was so immense, you know, I just, I was overwhelmed even, you know, and just what she was writing to me, but she was so, so excited and so happy. And um, yeah, that, that's the one that really stands out to me recently anyway. I love it. Oh gosh, I love that story. I think, I think, you know, as educators and, um, you know, mentoring students, we sometimes, if you, you forget, but when it, those little moments that, that come in and steal your heart and you're just like, oh, that's why we do this. That's why we do this. And just, yeah, I love that. What a great story. I have one that I think also uh, is short, but pretty, uh, it was pretty impactful. She also struggled to get through QNP and worked very closely with our QNP evaluators and uh, come time to submit for accreditation passed on her first round. And I think that is just so exciting. She, she took the feedback and she really applied it and pushed herself forward and, and was able to get to a place where she was above average. And I think that's just, 
you know, really incredible. And, and she had, you know, it took her like three or four tries to get through that QNP. But I think if you can really solidify that process, you can go far with it. Yeah. And I want to add one more, like Steph and I have been on the sidelines cheering with the judges over certain makers that go up time and again for their accreditation multiple times with just two to three images to try to get. And we're in the background going, oh my goodness, I hope she can get it this time. And I hope the judges can see this. And when they get it, oh, it's such a celebration. It's amazing. And they are so thankful. We get letters in. I got one yesterday with people just thanking us, like, thanks for pushing us forward. Thanks for helping us get through those difficult, difficult segments, right? You know, where you just feel like you want to give up. But when you get to that other side and you're so happy with your improvement and your work, like, it's so worth it. I love that. I think, you know, when you start in this industry, it can feel feel really lonely and a little alienating. So I love that you guys have created this resource where they do have that support network where they're able to tap into mentors and helpers to help them achieve their dreams and goals. So that's, that's super exciting. I love that. So Steph, what I love is your attention to safety and ensuring that newborn photographers are working as safely as possible. So what advice do you have for maybe a beginning photographer on finding that education to empower themselves to be known for being the safest photographer? Okay, honestly, (laughs) I would recommend taking a safety course. And our safety course was developed in conjunction with different practitioners in the industry who work daily with newborns. And that's really important. I hear oftentimes, you know, oh, well, I'm a neurologist and I I don't think there's anything to worry about. Great. You're a neurologist who works with adults who have had strokes, let's say. But the newborn system is so particular and specific that you really want to make sure that when you're getting your training, that you're getting it from practitioners who work closely in pediatrics and in particular with newborns. And, um, you know, that's what we've been very careful to do when we put together our resources and our course content is to reference people who really know what they're talking about so that you come away with the best information to move forward. I don't think that necessarily someone starting out who takes a singular course should claim they are the safest photographer. What is that anyway? I think that What's more important is to state that you have undertaken training and will continue to undertake training and to commit to certain things. So for one, APNPI is taking a stance in the industry that when there is scientific proof or scientific trepidation over certain poses that we should listen and that we should take that into account and then, you know, listen to those those scientists that are published in journals. And recently there was a journal that did come forward to say that there is concern over certain poses that are being conducted in the newborn industry, such as what we would call the frog or bunny pose, or what we would call the potato sack pose that's standing upright. And so, you know, we now have a policy with APNPI where we don't allow submission of those poses for accreditation or image competition because we are not interested in promoting poses that could potentially cause um, irrevocable um, damage to a newborn. And I think the most important thing that you need to keep in mind is that sometimes the damage that you can cause is not something that you can see. It also isn't always something that will be noticeable 
directly at or after the session. So cutting off oxygen to a brainstem or two parts of the brain, apoxia. Okay, that's a decrease in oxygen because you've decreased the blood flow or you've, dec- or you've you know, uh, occluded an airway with the pose that you're, that you're doing can cause damage to brain tissue. What does that mean? It means that potentially this child could later have a gross motor delay or a fine motor difficulty or a learning difficulty. They may fall under the umbrella of cerebral palsy. You know, so these aren't things that you can say, I've heard photographers say, well, I do those poses and I've never injured a newborn. You can't say that. There isn't a way to know whether or not you are, in fact, you know, cutting off blood flow to the brainstem or deoxygenating the baby. There are some things that you can look out for, like blue in the lips or in, in within the gums or on the chest area. Um, but oftentimes the pose we have them in or the clothing or the props don't allow you to monitor those things. And so when they say that extreme... Uh, passive range of motion of the neck is dangerous or can be dangerous or can lead to pressure on the brainstem or cutting off blood flow to the brainstem. You know, (laughs) these are very serious things and not things that we're trained to know how to evaluate or look for. And so if that's a concern with these poses, why are we doing them? What, what is it about that pose that's so necessary? And I've always come to the same conclusion, which is that it has more to do with our ego and our feeling of accomplishment. And well, if I can do this, then I'm a true professional because I see the professionals doing this. My advice is this. If someone is doing these poses and if they are aware that there is concern in the industry, that's not professional behavior. And so I wouldn't model myself after any photographer that is aware uh, and chooses not to listen or chooses to think that their knowledge exceeds that of professionals who work with newborns daily, just because those professions aren't photographers, they assume, well, they don't know because they don't handle babies in newborn poses. So they can't say, but that's not how science works. So, (laughs) You know, the fact is that those scientists, those, um, you know, people that are studying these topics um, ethically aren't allowed to position babies into these poses because there is a known possibility that you may cut off the, the blood flow or you may occlude the airway. And so it would not be ethical for them to study this, to put a newborn at risk. So if they're not willing to do it and if their ethics committees wouldn't allow for them to do it, why is it okay for us? Why should we? And I, I can't think of a reasonable reason. So I think, you know, when in terms of being safe, committing to listening to the scientific community and committing to putting your ego aside and putting the opinions of others working in an art industry aside who don't necessarily have newborn specific university level training in a medical field dealing with newborns. I I would put that advice aside and listen primarily to those who work in those medical industries with newborns who say there is a danger. So, Wow. You know what? I, I have actually haven't done, 
I don't do those poses and I haven't. I think actually from when I first mentored with you in 2010 or 10, 2011, even back then you were like, these are not safe poses. Don't do these poses. And as a physiotherapist, these are my reasons why. So I find it just so fascinating that you, you're bang on. We're bang on right like 10 years ago. Like, don't do this pose. So thank you for sharing that information because I actually hadn't heard that there was scientific back, backing up on that. So I think that is just such great information to share. And if you guys out there are doing the froggy and doing the potato sack, please, please listen to Stephanie's words on that and maybe take that out of your repertoire. There are millions of other different poses you can do that, you know, parents love even more than and those fancy poses that may not necessarily be safe. So really, th- Steph, thank you for sharing that. That was really, really great information that I'm really happy to share with our listeners. No problem. I'll also share with you the link because that, that journal is available online. So if you'd like, I can give you the link and you can share that so people can read it for themselves. It's tough scientific jargon, but if you can get through it. <laughs> Love that. So we're going to bounce over to Kara. And what is one piece of advice you'd give to someone maybe just getting started with newborn photography? My advice is always I'm going to take the assumption that you're no, you know your camera, you love to take photos, you're already improving there. And if you want to start a successful business, um, yes, you need to have a good product and you need to know how to provide a good product. But more than that... Um, I, I would actually recommend somebody, if you need to take a back seat on developing those skills, do it. You need to first identify your business goals. And I, I always tell people the first thing, decide how many hours you want to work in a week and what income you want to earn. Those two things you have to consider, especially if you value your time in your life and with your family, if you're a parent, if you have kids, because that, that's, you know... That's where we all get tripped up. And I hear over and over and over moms who don't have the time to spend with their kids. And I did it myself. I remember just my heart breaking. I had not spent time with my daughter and I wasn't even making any money. It was the most ridiculous thing. So you start there. What are your hours that you want to do and how much money you want to work? And then decide what business model, what service do you want your clients to experience when they come to you? Because there's a bunch of different things you can do. You can do really, really tailored, high detailed, high service things. And you can do, you know, quick in and out. Do you want to do high volume or do you want to really spend time getting to know your clients? That's right there is also going to dictate your business model and what you're communicating to people before they come into your doors. And so, and then you have to make that match how much money you're going to make. And you might have to make some modifications. You might need to say, you know what, I can't actually give all of this because I don't think my clientele base is going to sustain charging that much. So you've always got to be back and forth with those parameters. And then um, from there, just start to develop your model, communicate to your people so that they're not uncomfortable or unhappy when they come in. They know what they're expecting. And the more clear you can be, the happier you're going to be, the happier they're going to be. And all that in the background, you're still developing your art. (laughs) But these things, I I think, if I could take any starting photographer anywhere, I would sit down with them and work with them on those things. Awesome. Steph, do you have anything to add? What what, what advice would you give to someone who maybe just be starting? Oh, uh, (laughs) honestly, I think um, from a creative side of things, um, experiment and have fun. Now is the time to try to define your style because style is such a hard thing. And you might 
think because you've seen someone else's work that that's what you want to strive for. And so you might be trying to create that sort of look for yourself. But the actual truth of the matter, I think, really is that we are all individuals and we each have something to give um, artistically. And so trying to find what you're passionate about, trying to find what drives you. Is it a color palette? Is it a certain, you know, look with the props or the clothing? Or is it, you know, outdoor work? Is it working with parents? What is it? What is it that you love? And, you know, when you're in your sessions and at first I think you love everything. You're just you know, overwhelmed and you just love taking photos in the first place and you love babies, but it'll become apparent to you over that first sort of year, I think, of working with clients that, you know what, this feels easy. This feels like I'm not struggling. And honestly, when you find that thing, whatever it is, it might be wrapping babies, it really might not. (laughs) But whatever it is that you love, and that's, you know, very feels like it's easy for you. That is the start of the clue of where your wheelhouse is. And so dive into it and go in that direction. Go towards, you know, like, yes, there is struggle and there is, you know, trying to work towards something. That's that's good too. But in terms of finding style, I think style has to align with passion. And passion should come easy. Passion should be something that you feel, you know, in your soul and is just, it settles you. You feel comfortable with it. It makes you happy. It's easy to sit there. So if you're, I don't know, photographing with lots of color and you love that and you're passionate about that and you think to yourself, well, everyone says neutral and I should be doing neutral because people like neutral. And every time you do neutral, you're like, oh, I don't like it. (laughs) I'm the opposite, by the way. But (laughs) they call me 50 shades of (laughs) grayish. But... You know, I think find the thing that you're loving that's driving you. And when you look at it after the fact, it's not a laborious thing to edit. You're passionate about it and you want you want to work with that image. And and then you'll know, okay, this is this is the direction of my style. This is where I should sit. And I think in the beginning I struggled a lot trying to quote unquote define my style. Everyone said you have to define your style and know your style and you know find a style and Don't worry about that. Just go with what you love. Head towards what you love and your style will find you. (laughs) Love it. It's great advice. So my friends, I'm going to end our interview with this very last question. I just love to ask my guests. And the question is, and Kara, we'll start with you. It's what are you currently artistically curious about? Well, um, assuming that this is art, not just photography, I'm actually just starting to get into painting with acrylics. Cool. Yeah. And so I'm going to do a paint, uh, a virtual paint experience with my sister on Friday for her birthday. This is, she's been doing some of this. And so, yeah, this is a brand new world for me. I've never painted. I've always been um, more in the music and photography. So, yeah, that's where my curiosity is right now. And and specifically, I really love Group of Seven. Um, you can see I was drinking with my group of seven mug, but I tend to like more colors. So some of the more modern uh, expressions of group of seven that are going on today in Canada with artists, they're very colorful, but still that sort of neat texture. So yeah, that's sort of what I'm curious about and just starting to learn about. Love it. Steph, how about you? What are you currently artistically curious about? Honestly, it's going to be home decor. I'm in a massive (laughs) renovation and 
I think knowing stylistically what you love is so helpful when you're trying to decorate a home and, and staying in a certain palette and knowing, you know, for me, it's a modern rustic and I like that warm wood tone and whites and just, you know, working through choosing all of the textures and the shades and the different elements of depth and, and that in the pieces that we're looking at for countertops or for tile or for flooring and for wall color it's uh you know lighting fixtures and faucets and um I'm artistically trying to put my home together <laughs> I would say so some people maybe they don't worry about that but I think if you are in any art form if you're involved in any art form if you consider yourself an artist in any way that pulls in into everything that you do so for me in this renovation for sure you know, I'm, I'm relying heavily on, on my passion and style that I discovered through photography and, and trying to see that come to life in my home. <laughs> Love it. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. And we will make sure that we link to APNPI in the show notes. Listeners, you have to go check it out because being the safest photographer you can be is so important. So Kara, Stephanie, thanks so much for joining me today. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks so much for having us, Lisa. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Lisa. Always a pleasure. I loved that conversation with Kara and Steph, and I love how passionate Steph is when it comes to newborn safety and educating photographers on that. So if you have not checked out APNPI, you definitely want to just to ensure that you're the safest newborn photographer on the block too. I am sending you so much of my light and love today and every day. We'll see you next time.